Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. A, a, a great passage, a great text that we're going to, uh, to dig into today. Let's, let's again read it together. You, however, who's he talking to? Talking to Titus. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can encourage the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching. Show integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. We're going to stop right there. We're going to Chapter 2 is going to be kind of a, a series of lessons in which basically uh, Titus or Paul is writing to Titus with this idea of listen up. You know, there, there's some things that you need to know and there's some things that after I tell you that you need to go and share with these other people and tell them, hey, listen up. There's some things here that we need to change. There's some things that we need to do differently. Now, I don't know about you. But when I read some of this, and I think about that title, Listen Up, I think about a certain tone that my mom has. And I heard that earlier this week. Uh, Several of you saw on Facebook where I said, I guess it was Thursday, I said, nothing like being 36 years old and still getting in trouble by your mom. Now listen, I post a lot of things on Facebook That has gotten more traffic than anything I've posted in the last two or three years. I post all these spiritual uplifting things. I post that I got in trouble by my mom. Everybody has jumped on it and has shared in her getting in trouble, on getting on to me. But I hear Paul saying, okay, now listen, you've got some things that you need to fix. How do we usually respond when someone comes in and says, listen up? There's some things that you need to do differently. How many of us tend to respond to that in the most positive way? Okay. So how many of us tend to respond to it in a not so positive way? How many of you are afraid just to raise your hand? Why are we that way? Well, we, 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 we like things the way they are, don't we? We like being in a certain place and doing things a certain way, but sometimes our own comfort zone can get in the way of what God wants us to be about. And I kind of get the impression that maybe some of that was going on here in this church, and Paul begins to address it. So so let's look at some groups. We're going to look at three groups tonight that he addresses, just for the sake of time. And there's other groups in in the next few lessons that we will uh, see how he addresses them as well. The first 
group he addresses, and really it's a person per se, but we can maybe step back and broaden the view of it a little bit, is teachers. He, he tells Titus, whose job is to be there and teach, he tells him two things that I want you to do. He says, you, however, this is verse 1, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And then if you jump down to verse 7 and 8, he says, in everything set them an example by doing what is good, and your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So the first thing he tells him in verse 1, he says, as a teacher... You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Now, that phrase, sound doctrine, I have learned, and, and, and you probably have learned this as well, sound doctrine a lot of times depends on who you're talking to, right? I see a lot of church postings and church um, uh, classifies for... for uh, for hiring a preacher, I have never seen a church post a job that says, we are a church that does not believe in sound doctrine. We are not a sound church. Everybody believes that they're what? A sound church, okay? So we have to be careful with that phrase in our minds because a lot of times, a lot of times we bring our own preconceived ideas into what soundness means. But I love... I love when you dig a little bit deeper in this verse. I love when you dig a little bit deeper in this verse of what this word sound means. If you go and look at this word in the Greek, and I don't, I don't, I don't like to use a lot of Greek in my lessons, but enough to explain it and make it a little bit deeper for us. It's the same word in which we get the word hygiene. Same word in which we get the word hygiene. And, and so it carries this idea that the word that he is teaching must be healthy and whole. It must be healthy and whole. That, that the part of the, the gospel, the doctrine of Christ, is not about being right or being wrong. Let me, let me back up. It's not just about being right and being wrong. It's about a, a message, as we talked about this morning, that heals us. That makes us complete. That, that takes us from a state of sinfulness to a state of holiness. You see, just being right doesn't make you holy. Being cleansed makes you holy. And when we focus on, when we focus on that, I, I believe that this idea of what our doctrine is... It becomes deeper. It's not just a checklist of getting right or wrong. It's a teaching that completes us in the eyes of God. And he says, Titus, and for any of us that are teachers, I want you to raise your hand this morning. If you are an active teacher in this congregation over the last year, raise your hands. Now, that is a very challenging thing, isn't it? That is a very challenging thing. It's a scary thing because James says what? Not many of us should be teachers knowing that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now that's scary to think about, isn't it? But also think about this. Your job as a teacher is to teach this healthy doctrine. 
is to instill into those who are listening to you not just facts, but ways that those individuals can become fuller in Christ. And that is a very tall order for us, but one that we need to take so serious, one that we need to take and not just live out in the room as he goes on and talks about this in verses 7 and 8. He says, not only is it just about teaching the doctrine, it's about what? Living it. It's about living it. Um, It would be very obvious. It would be very obvious to you if I didn't live what I preached. How long, elders, how long would you let me preach if you saw me through the week not living those things? Like tonight, that'd probably be it, right? If you knew that's what, if you knew that's who I was, if I wasn't someone who really lived my life that way, it is so important for us, especially as teachers, for all Christians, but especially as teachers, to live that which we teach. Because if we don't, what do we become? Starts with an H. We become hypocrites. We become someone who says one thing and does another. How many people love hypocrites? Any of you? No, none of us do. But if we're not careful, we can fall into that habit. But as teachers, we have to be on our guard. We can't be lazy. We have to be diligent. We have to be self-controlled in a way that brings us to a, a fullness in our life around this healing gospel. So first group is teachers. The next group he talks to is older men. Now, he's going to talk to older men, and he's going to talk to older women. Now, when I use the word old here, and I believe Paul here, he doesn't just mean an age thing. He means, in a lot of ways, a maturity thing. Mature Christians, or people who should be mature Christians. You can't take someone um, that's 60 years old. Okay, let's just say, take someone that's 60 years old, and they were baptized last Sunday. What's their spiritual age? One week. Can you expect the same thing out of them as you can another guy that same age who's been a Christian for 40 years? No. It's not a physical age thing. A lot of it is a spiritual age thing and how mature spiritual Christians should act. And he says, hey, to the men of the church, there's some things that I want you to pay attention to. Christianity is not about checklists, but sometimes checklists are a good way to kind of give us a guide. And Paul, Paul can be kind of a checklist writer sometimes, and that's kind of what he's doing right here. He's giving you bullet points. You know, if you want deep theology, go read Romans. Go read Galatians. If you want, um, I, you know, I, I need kind of the Cliff Notes versions to help it make sense and grab onto, here's one of those spots. That kind of breaks it down easier, like, okay, I need these bullet points so I know exactly what I need to do. So men, this is what he says. He says, we have to be first temperate. Or as one translation says, serious. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have fun. That doesn't mean that we can't laugh. But we have to understand, we have to understand that there's more to life than the next ball game. There's more to life than the next fishing trip. There's more to life than what is right in front of us. Our focus as mature Christian men need to be on the words of Jesus when he says, Seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. 
And what does he say? When you do that, all of these things, all the benefits that come along with being a child of God, they're going to be added on to you. You're going to receive them. But as men, we need to be serious in our faith and understand it is the most important thing. We have to be worthy of respect or dignified or, or honorable. One of the keys to being honored by young people as we continue to grow in our faith is, is to be open-minded, willing to entertain new ideas, and not set in our ways. Now, I have seen in my own life, I'm not old, I get that. I am older than I used to be. And I can see in my own life certain routines and habits becoming comfortable. Certain ways of doing things. Anybody else in this room have certain habits that are just comfortable? That when you don't do those things, it just feels strange? Any of you? Okay, so ten of you are telling the truth, the rest of you are lying. Okay, um... That's one of those habits. We need to change that, okay? Well, let's talk about the church world for a minute. Back in my first Wednesday night, Tyler talked about the most important decision that I was going to have to make in my time here. And what was that decision, Tyler? Choosing my seat. Every time I have chosen a seat, I have found out the next week that that's already someone else's seat. And I have to choose another one. Now, we've been playing um, merry-go-rounds with our seats for, for several weeks now. Um... What would happen if someone came in and they were sitting in your seat on a Sunday morning? How many of it would it, would it bother you to sit somewhere else? Be honest for a second. Not, not in a bad way. Not a, you don't have to worry about anybody getting your seat. You're way too close to the front. If they're getting your seat, we've got a good problem, okay? Um, how many of you, if you sat somewhere different because someone was in your seat, Sunday would just feel weird? It just feels strange to be somewhere else. Um, even if you just go from one end of the pew to the other, it feels different because we're so used to sitting in our seats. My granddaddy, Rogers, who lives in Savannah, don't know why he did this, but he did. He bought uh, the old Savannah church building back about 10 years ago, a building comparably to the size of the Ninth Avenue church. Okay, good size building. Uh, and to, to recoup a little bit of the money, he sold all the pews out of the auditorium, except the pew he grew up sitting in. It's still sitting in the same place in that auditorium. He'll never sell it, he said. We get into routines. We like things a certain way. Let's take it a step further. How many of you have a certain parking spot in this, in this place? Any of you park in the same spot every week? <laughs> there again. Okay. We have routines. We have things that when we show up, it makes us feel comfortable. And if it's a little different, a little off, it just feels, it just feels weird. Is it possible for that to go from a kind of funny cutting up thing to we get so set in our way spiritually that we, we become disconnected with the spiritual growth of the church? Yeah, it is. One of the greatest challenges... One of the greatest challenges, well, let's just do this. If you are under the age of 50 and want to, stand up. If you're under the age of 50 
stand up. <laughs> One of the greatest challenges in the church is bridging this age group to the next age group, to the 50 and above. You can sit down. It was just the easiest way to do that for a visual. Why is that? Because if you ask the younger generations, what's hurting our church? You ask millennials, what's hurting our church and growth? You know what they're going to say? Old people stuck in their ways. You ask the older generation, what's one of the things that's hindering our churches? You know what a lot of them are going to think? You may not say it. These young Christians that just want to change everything. What do we have to do? We have to bridge that gap. We have to be more flexible, not just the older Christians, but the younger Christians as well. One of the greatest assets in our church is the diversity of our church. And I think Paul is writing here to encourage us, be flexible. Look, he's already said sound doctrine is important. We're not talking about changing doctrine, okay? We're talking about being flexible in the way maybe we go about doing things, maybe trying new things, new ideas, but be flexible in those ways. He says be self-controlled. Um, be self-controlled, men, or sensible, as some of your Bibles might say. The next thing he says is be sound in faith. Sound in faith. When people look at you, they should know that you are a man that is grounded in God and his faithfulness. And then maybe for us men, the most difficult one, sound in love. Sound in love. Um... We had a, uh, a small group guys Bible study that we did in Kingston. And Blair asked me how, what we did in, in this Bible study, and I explained it to her. And she goes, well, isn't that interesting? I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, just sounds like y'all just sit around and share your feelings. She goes, not many men would do that. Men, we have a tendency of, of holding our emotions close, don't we? We have a tendency of not being overly affectionate to people. Maybe to our spouse, maybe not to our spouse, but you're not going to see a lot of guys just hugging up in the, in, in the lobby after church, are we? You know, and if you do, everybody's going to be like, what is wrong? Is someone sick? You know, I think maybe we need to do a little bit better job of showing, showing our soundness in love, men being a little more affectionate to one another. Uh, the Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. I'm not saying we got to go that far, but there is book, chapter, verse for that, okay? But so one of you come up and try to kiss me, there's only been one man that's kissed me in a building that I knew I couldn't do anything about it, and that's Willie Franklin. Any of you know Willie Franklin? Willie Franklin's about twice my size three times. Former linebacker in the NFL, great gospel preacher, when Uncle Chocolate wants to give you a kiss, you know what you do? You let him give you a kiss. Anybody else tries, we might roll. But maybe we should be more affectionate to each other. Maybe this should be a place where people know, shouldn't be able to just look and know that love abounds in this place. And guys, it starts with us. It starts with us. Then he moves on to the older women. You know, in our culture and in our society... Especially with women, the word old is not received very well, is it? 
Um, it is so inappropriate to ask a woman her age because she may put a lot of value in that that you don't realize. How many of you remember the movie The Guardian? The Guardian, it had, uh, who was in that movie? Ashton Kutcher and Kevin Costner. I wanted to say Bruce Willis. To me, those are the same two guys. You know, you put them in each other's movies, it's the same movie. Uh, but it was about training to be a rescue diver for the United States Coast Guard. And, and one of the scenes, one of my favorite scenes, um, the main character, Ben, is, is sitting, he's sitting in a restaurant that has a drinking established there in it. We're not going to say what it is. We're not going to endorse that tonight. But that's where he is, okay? And he's talking to the owner, Katie. And his friend, Katie, puts an ice pack on his shoulder and she looks at him and she said, how in the world did we get old? Or he asked that, how in the world did we get old? And this is her response. She said, I've always been old, Ben. You know what, though? I don't mind it. If my muscles ache, it's because I've used them. You see the stairs behind me? It's hard for me to walk up these steps. But I've walked up them every night to lay down to a man who loved me. I've gotten a few wrinkles here and there, but I've laid under a thousand skies with sunny days. I look and feel this way because I've lived and I've loved. I've sang and swept through a pretty good life. Getting old, that ain't bad, Ben. Getting old, that's earned. And that's a great way to think about growing up and getting old. So ladies, with that in mind, here's a couple of things that he shares with you. He says that they should be reverent. Okay, they should, they should have a good reputation in the way that they act. Uh, they, they should not be malicious talkers. They should be known by the good things that they say, not, not the bad. They should not be addicted to much wine. They should not lean on intoxicating substances to get through the day. They should teach what is good. Um, these, these two together, teach what is good, and I'll get it, and training younger women. This is two of the most important things that ladies you can do in the kingdom of God. Is to grab hold of a young woman and to disciple her and teach her and encourage her along the way in her journey. Make her feel loved. Make her feel welcome. There is nothing harder. And, 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 and I have the utmost respect for my wife because when my wife walks into a church building on a Sunday, most of the time she's a single mother through, through worship because... I've got other things on. It's got to the point she's told me now that when I sit with them, I just throw the whole routine off, so I just need to go somewhere else anyway. Um, but when you see a mom that's sitting in a pew with their kids and they, and they seem to be struggling, sit with them, help them, encourage them. Let them know how much they are loved in this church. This, this is the basis of all the discipleship things that I believe in are these two things. Teach someone younger than you what is good and train someone younger than you so that they feel important and they are brought up and circle back around into the sound doctrine that God expects of us. That's part one. Part one, teachers 
older men, older women. He's going to get into some other groups. But that gets us started into chapter 2 of the book of Titus. A lot of good things that he's going to try to get us to listen up to and to live in, in a better way. But tonight, in your own personal life, you know, like I said this morning, we don't come in here perfect. We're not going to leave perfect. I'm not that great of a preacher and never will be. But I know some of you came in tonight probably struggling. Something on your heart, something on your mind. It may be an issue of salvation. It may just be an issue of prayer and strength. Tonight, let us strengthen you. Let us encourage you if that's what you need. Allow the Lord to save you through the waters of baptism if you need that tonight as well. There is a God. There is a God. He is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.